Hello and welcome back to the View Church Podcast. This is Jake sitting down with Jeff Franks once more, and we hope that you had a wonderful new year. And as we move into 2021, we thought we would take a super light topic, something that there's not a lot of drama, there's not a lot of uh, controversy around. We thought we would start talking about the Bible, which everybody agrees on. And so it's a really easy uh, thing to lob towards you, Jeff, to get you started uh, on, on the right foot for the new year. But uh, in all honesty, I think that, uh, Jeff, you were talking before we started to record that it's important to you that um, we talk about the Bible. Uh, even just having the conversation around the Bible brings up something for everybody, positive, negative. It is a centerpiece of Christianity. Um, so many of us have so many different associations, feelings towards it. And uh, I am as uh, selfishly in, in looking forward to this episode to hear uh, you talk about both, you know, view churches, um, uh, view towards the Bible, your own uh, view towards the Bible, and how these listeners, how you, the listener, can um, maybe start to approach and think about the Bible as we move into it. And so, um, Jeff, I'll just start with you um, and um, let you talk specifically about. Um, the Bible, um, your your thoughts on it. I know you went to Vanderbilt Divinity School, uh, which was transformational for you. I know that you've been around the Bible for a long time. So let's start with uh, what is your approach? What is your experience now um, with the book that we call the Bible? I'll start with a story. When I was a child growing up in Southeast Texas, we were at, uh, at our Southern Baptist Church one day. And uh, I don't know about, I know you grew up Southern Baptist, Jake, so yeah, I, don't, I, did. I don't know if, uh, if you remember the, uh, the experience of, of your parents being in the choir. Oh, so, no, they, didn't, they didn't do the choir. All right, so, so my parents uh, would sing in the choir, and in, in the Baptist church, the choir seat is seated behind the pastor oh, so yeah. they can look into the congregation. Yeah. And so one, one Sunday I was, I was acting up and I started to get the stink eye from my mom and then I got the stink eye from my dad and I'm uh-huh. like, I'm going to hear about this. And so um, we got home and my dad said, I, we, we saw you down there, you know, misbehaving. And he said, so, uh, so you're going to have to read five chapters of the book of Deuteronomy <laughs> so that my punishment literally... <laughs> Wow. For not paying attention in church was to read the five chapters in the book of Deuteronomy. And I can tell you, I don't know that I've read Deuteronomy since. <laughs> uh, but, but I think w- what you said about the Bible being the centerpiece of Christianity, I, w- I would say that for evangelical Protestants like, like you and me, that, that's a very familiar statement. Yeah. I don't think that that is, is necessarily true of, of Christianity throughout the, the mm. centuries. Um, what folks need to remember when thinking about the Bible is that up until the invention of the printing press and the Enlightenment, very, very few people could read or write. Mm. And so um, th- that's not how people, uh, uh, that's not how they interacted with their, with their faith was by reading the Bible. They interacted with their faith through the church. Mm. And the church was sort of, sort of the arbiter. In fact, for, for uh, a good part of Christian history, it was actually illegal for uh, a, a person that was outside of the clergy to, to possess a Bible. Mm. And uh, there's this, there's this uh, story about a guy named Peter Waldo who uh, lived in Lyon, France. Mm. 
and uh, this is this was back in the Middle Ages, and uh, he was a very devout um, Christian, but he was frustrated because he wanted to he wanted to read the Bible for himself, but mm. the church wouldn't let him, and so he commissioned uh, to have a copy of the Bible made for him, which was highly illegal, but he did. He had the, a copy of the Bible uh, made for him, and then in his community they they started this little church where they would all come together and they would, they would read the Bible together. It was called the Waldenses. And um, the church sent uh, some Dominican monks to uh, deal with the problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Dominicans executed Peter Waldo and all of his followers mm. because they had a copy of the Bible. Wow. And so um, for a long, long, long time, Jake, Christians didn't have access to the Bible. Mm. And the way that they had access to the Bible was by going to mass or going to church and, and, and hearing it read. Um, art in the church was a way to teach the Bible. Mm. Um, stained glass windows in churches were uh, ways that priests and teachers could refer to the Bible in story and pictures. And um, a lot of the, 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 the beautiful Renaissance art is telling the Bible stories through pictures. Mm. But... Um, but no, it's only, it's been very recent when that the Bible has, has really become uh, more the focal point of, of um, people's faith, mm. in part because they can interact with it, yeah. um, but, but in part because in, in some ways the Bible has become weaponized. Mm. And, um, and so if, you, you know, if you're having a disagreement with someone, you know, you can pull out a few a few proof texts, and you know that's your authority who can mm, question. Right, um, and that's that's why I think it's it's one of my um, one of my passions, I guess you could say, is helping people uh, understand how to approach uh, the Bible. And you know, people will ask me, are there contradictions in the Bible? Mm. Or they'll ask me. Do you believe that it was a literal six-day creation and mm. and things like that? And, and getting people to move beyond those kinds of questions and to uh, and to address the questions that the Bible is asking mm. culture and society to address. Right. And I think that um, as you were saying that, it reminded me of the fact that so many of us forget the the history of the Bible, how it came about, that it's just so commonplace now. You just go to the store. You got to pick out which one you want, which is super stressful, you know, depending on what your experience is. Do I get the New Living Translation? Do I get the King James Version, et cetera? But one thing that I want to hit on that you hit on in the previous episode was it being a living word. And I think that that, that to me um, means a lot. And it's been my experience when the Bible seems to be speaking and reading me instead of me reading it. And so can you talk a little bit about um, how the Bible is a living word and how certain things do get lost in translation when we miss the point of our own internal transformation and and maybe it being reading us and and showing us things versus us trying to analyze it and get it all right? Yeah, I think seeing the Bible as as, or the spirit behind the text, I guess I, I, I should say. Um, I mean, the Bible's just, just paper and ink and, and, you know, if you have a hard cover, it's, you know, it's that soft paper too. Yeah, you gotta yeah, be really yeah, gentle. Yeah, really thin. Um, 
So there's nothing magical or alive about that. It's, right. it's the spirit that, uh, that the words are, 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 I guess, representing in a way. Um, because here's the thing to think about. If, if the information on the pages constituted the, the sum of, of what the Bible is supposed to accomplish, mm. then wouldn't it make more sense just to build that knowledge into your DNA? Mm. Why put it in human language? Mm. As soon as you put something in human language, what's going to happen? It's going to get misunderstood. It's yeah. going to get represented in different yeah. ways. And then not only putting it in human language, but then having to have it translated over and over and over again into, into, into incomp- languages that aren't exactly compatible. Yeah. So you're, you're just begging for the Bible to be misunderstood right. if you're viewing it as something that's, that's just static mm. and that's just instructive. Mm. But if you see it as something living that, that you're interacting with, now you're starting to get... Now you're starting to get somewhere and you're starting to, 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 to get the point of it because it's the spirit behind the words mm. that whenever we open the book and we begin to interact with it, listen, you can interact with the Bible as a book or mm. you can interact with the Bible as the living word. And there's a difference. Uh, there's a different experience when you're interacting with the, the Bible as a book and, and, and when you're interacting with it. As a as a spiritual reality, it's, right. a, it's a different experience. Yeah, um, I work with people, know people who study the Bible for that's their you know their professors at Divinity School, and and they can experience the Bible as as a, an artifact, if you will, something to study, mm-hmm. and never experience it giving them life. Right, and um, and and so, and I think a lot of Christians never tap into that that living word reality. Mm. Uh, that's there, and there's no real magic formula to doing it. I think it's 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 first of all noticing mm. um, that you're dealing with something that's alive, and the spirit behind it is alive. And and um, whenever we approach the Bible to win an argument um, or to, to prove a point mm. or to pick a side, that's yeah that that's yeah. that's the weaponization of it. Mm. Um, and so, uh, whenever we do that, we're we're bypassing we're bypassing the life of the text, right? And uh, and we're we're about to manip- manipulate it, yeah, and uh, make it tell a story that we want it to tell, mm. but that it doesn't necessarily tell, yeah. And so many people now have made a successful podcast or living based off of. Um, kind of going after the Bible, right? Kind of digging in. I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of like Jared Bias, Pete Enns, those guys, Bible for Normal People. Even in the embedded in that podcast is the be- the Bible for Normal People. And I think that the, the premise behind that is that we should be able to have conversations about things that bother us about the Bible. I, I think that it, it may be, and I want to ask you, maybe the listeners experience this too, is I was not allowed to ask questions about the Bible growing up. It was the word of God. And the pastor had the keys to the kingdom and you better listen to him and don't listen to yourself or don't read it on your own. And so can you talk a little bit about that where it is something where it is a living word yet at the same time, do you think it's important that we disagree with it? Do you think it's important that we wrestle with it or is it just best to kind of follow along with uh, the, the guidelines that are set before us from someone that is apparently went to school and knows more 
um, how much autonomy are we allowed, allowed to have as individuals with the Bible? Well, if, if it is a living word, then it's going to be a conversation. Mm. And um, listen, I, I, don't, I don't think God is surprised by or disturbed by our pushback. Mm. Um, he certainly wasn't disturbed by Job's pushback. Mm. And I think that, um, that, yeah, it's absolutely okay to go, what are these holy wars of the Old Testament? Like, mm. what, why is it okay for God to just seem to just kill people mm. and, uh, or for, for the people of Israel to just kill people and then say, well, we did it because God said to. It's like, you know, I, I've, I've, that's one of the questions that I want to ask is mm. like, what, what, you know, what exactly is going on there? Um, you know, it's, it's okay to, to, you know, to read Ecclesiastes and then read Proverbs and go, this is written by two totally different people or mm. two totally different perspectives. Yeah. Because, you know, Proverbs is, you know, if you go get your degree and brush your teeth and love your mama, <laughs> all's going to go well with you. Yeah. And Ecclesiastes 9 is like, look, it don't matter how you live your life. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to end up in the same mess anyway. Yeah. And so it's like th- these two these two texts are are contending for different ways to look at the at, at human experience. Mm. And you throw Psalms in, the, in there too, and you've got the the writers of the Psalms. They're they're contending for different ways mm. to interact with God and to experience uh, the world. And so um, the important thing that I think we we do when we approach the text is we we ask ourselves what questions. Are, is the text raising up for me? Mm. Um, you know, what are, the, what are the concerns of the writer? What questions do I have, you know, in reading this text? Um, you know, why is it that in the book of, of Philemon, uh, we, don't have an, uh, we, we don't have Paul saying, listen, slavery's wrong. Mm. Instead, he's trying to convince this, this, his slave and the slave owner to, to reconcile. And you're like, where is the injunction mm. against slavery here? Mm. And so th- those are the kinds of things when we, when we approach the scriptures, you know, what, what the, 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 the story of the Good Samaritan, there's no such thing as a Good Samaritan mm. in that part of the world. Um, it, it, it would be akin to saying, you know, this is the story of the good terrorist. Mm. You know, there's no such thing. Mm. So even the even saying good Samaritan is it would be scandalous to the audience. So, mm. so you know, what's the point of that? Why is why does it say the good Samaritan? Um, you know, those are those are just questions that 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 I think I'm I'm challenged by mm. when I approach the text. Um, I'm not challenged by how did that how did that fish swim all the way from Joppa to Tarshish with, with Jonah's belly in three days? It had mm-hmm. to be going like 90 miles an hour. <laughs> so how did that happen? And, and, you know, finding this over here that contradicts something over here and saying, aha, you know, the Bible just contradicts itself. Well, of course, you've got, you've got all of these different authors with all of these competing points of view about right. God. They're trying to work it out mm. and they're trying to work it out by putting it on paper. So, when we're sitting there reading it, we're not reading this univocal one single point of view and it's yeah. just given to us. That's what makes it so rich. Mm. And I know that it's inter- it's interesting, yeah, through this podcast, I would say the majority of the content content 
has been through uh, Bible passages, the Beatitudes. We've been covering that the past bit. So I guess to close out, um, how do you approach uh, scripture as you prepare for services? How is the scripture uh, moved through? I know you said in the last episode that it's really important that people understand that they can come here and not agree. So that's even, I'm assuming, applying to the Bible. So um, how how do you move into the Bible for yourself and, and inevitably moving into um, it being a part of View Church, but not being a divisive factor of View Church? So how, how does that work uh, for those that are listening that are kind of wondering, so how do I approach it, right? So, okay, I get all that, but what do I do and what can I expect when I show up to church on Sunday? Yeah, well, a couple of things I would say. Um, how I approach it, like preparing for a, a sermon or something like that is, is is a little different than I would approach it reading it devotionally. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it, and I would encourage all of us to, to ask, you know, what, what genre is this book I'm reading? A gospel is going to be different than a letter and a letter is going to be different than a, than a, the wisdom literature. Mm. So you got to, you got to know what, what it is you're reading. I mean, there's a, there's a difference. If I, if I pick up Harry Potter and think I'm reading the newspaper, mm-hmm. there's going to be a, a disconnect there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so identifying the genre is important. And then, and then just paying attention to, to sections. Don't worry mm. about reading the whole book. Don't even worry about reading the whole chapter. If you just take it section by section, pay attention to paragraphs mm. because the, the, the verses and the chapters and all that stuff were, were added much later by a guy on a horse who was riding from one place to another, and he thought he needed a better way to organize the Bible, so he mm. did the chapters and the verses. So, you know, there, there are some translations out there that don't use chapter and verse that, that just use paragraphs. So... Um, just focus on the paragraph. And then, um, you know, I would say one of the things that helps me devotionally when I'm reading the Bible is, is I try to, to put myself in the shoes of the different characters that, mm. that are there. So if I'm reading about Jesus and, and the Pharisees and, um, you know, I'm like, and the disciples, I'm like, what's it like to be the disciple in this situation? What's it like to be the Pharisee in this situation? Um, you'll 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 have a lot of empathy for some of the characters in the stories uh, of the Bible who, you know, the, the, they're like foils. In other words, it's like, oh well, that's I'm supposed to not like them, mm. right? Pharisees are a good example. We're we're not supposed to like the Pharisees. We're not supposed to empathize with them. We're supposed to we're supposed to judge them. Mm. Well, that's great until you imagine that you've devoted your entire life to to knowing God and to pleasing God and, and be holy. And, and it's all you've ever done. It's all you've ever wanted to do. And all of a sudden this dude comes up and starts saying that you're a brood of vipers. Mm. You know, how does that feel? How does that strike you? And so, you know, imagine yourself in the, in the, just in the shoes of the different characters. Yeah. You know, when, when Jesus rides into Jerusalem um, before uh, the crucifixion, uh, what's it like to be waving the palm branch? Uh, what's it like to be sitting in Jerusalem, an aristocrat, and this poor Palestinian dude is riding in on a donkey that's obviously making fun of the emperor. Mm. Um, so do I look at him and, and like, set it in today's world. Let's say that, that we're in downtown Nashville and some person who seems to be homeless 
walks up and a whole bunch of really poor people around him and he's claiming to be mm. the Messiah. Are you going to sit up there and go, oh, I'm going to go worship that guy? Mm. Are you sitting up there going, eh, that guy's a little crazy? Mm. All right. So I think there's a way we can read the, the Bible that, that, that helps us to confront the, um, and help, helps us to be honest about our own faith and our own spirituality. And one of the ways we do that is to, to just place ourselves in, among the different characters. Mm. And, um, you know, how, how do you feel as one of the soldiers who's gambling for the clothes, uh, Jesus' clothes at the, at the cross? Um, you're Barabbas. How do you feel? How do you imagine you would feel in that situation? Mm. So um, that, that's been a helpful exercise for me. Yeah. And I think that this may be um, something that we hit in a, in a future episode because I think it's important. It's been my experience. It may have been your experience where I've had different relationships with the Bible, different thought paradigms, major paradigm shifts within my own personal faith. And yet I don't feel like I'm losing my faith. I'm losing a religion. And so um, I guess real quick, because that's a deeper topic that needs to be um, extrapolated and kind of unpacked. And so people can really um, get their head around that, especially if they're moving through something like that. But, you know, what if, is it okay if someone right now is, you know, Jeff, honestly, I have some spiritual trauma around the Bible and I just can't go there. Is that okay? I mean, is that, can they continue to have a spiritual life if they feel still have some spiritual trauma about the way, just like you said, I mean, I have the same thing where it was like, I had to memorize Bible verses. That's, that's how I showed up on Sunday to, to show that I was a good Christian soldier, as they called me. And if I didn't do it, I was, you know, reprimanded and kind of shamed publicly. Well, how, how did you not read that? Are you not doing your thing? So for people that have spiritual trauma and baggage that may not necessarily have a great relationship with the Bible, is it okay for them to continue on and live their spiritual life uh, and, and take a break? Most Christians in the history of Christianity never saw a Bible. Mm. So I would say, yeah, I think if, <laughs> if you, you, you'd be okay, okay. If, you, if you just had to leave it alone. And... Um, you know, I, I don't want I don't want people to feel guilty for not reading it. I don't want people to to you know reading your Bible makes you you know super spiritual or anything like that. Um, it does challenge us, and it does it does raise some important questions, and, and has for for generations. And uh, and so um, no, the spirit of the text uh, I think can be interacted with in a number of different ways, mm. and um, you know. I would say the most important exercise in the Christian faith is probably prayer. Mm. And so staying, um, staying close to prayer. And, and when I say prayer, I'm not talking about uh, personal oratory or, you know, saying this. I, I went to a, a, a prayer thing one time. This was back at my old Baptist church. And it was, it was, a, uh, it was a prayer seminar. It was a week-long prayer seminar. And this guy said that if you didn't pray for an hour a day, um, that you were falling short mm. in your spiritual life. And he had this whole organized, like, way to fill up that hour. And, and so there was, a, you know, this, it was moving through these various phases of prayer. And so, um, listen, I don't care if you pray for an hour or if you pray for a minute or if you pray for 10 seconds. Mm. Um, just, just staying in touch and and being aware of the spirit of God around you mm. um, is the most important thing. If the Bible helps you do that, 
then dive in. If mm. if the Bible stands in the way of you doing that, then set it aside. Yeah, that's yeah, and that's wonderful advice for anybody that um, feels because most there's just shame tied in with it. Unfortunately, for a lot of us, and I was as you were saying that I was laughing, thinking that you and I are going to get a a letter from the Baptist Foundation because we've been sitting here yeah. talking about our experience. But it's important. I think there's a lot of listeners out there that have probably had similar experiences. Well, we thank you guys so much for uh, listening to this episode. And as we mentioned in the last episode, um, online they can submit a prayer request. So maybe they don't feel comfortable praying themselves. They're new to it or maybe just want something else covered. We have real things going on in our lives all the time. And that burden, that um, prayer doesn't have to be shared alone. Can you talk a little bit more about, I know you hit on it last episode, but as it applies to the Bible and we're talking about prayer, um, specifically, what does that process look like? I, I go online and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, and that goes to you. And how, how does that work so people can know? Yeah, so on the website, um, you, you, you click on a, it says prayer, and you click on that, and it presents you a form. And you can be as general as you want to be. You can be uh, as specific as you want to be. Mm. But you, you describe, you know, what it is that, that you need prayer for, if it's somebody else or if it's you. And, you know, again, as much as you want to share. And then when, it, when you submit it, it goes to uh, Colleen Gibson. who mm. Colleen is, is uh, a volunteer, but she's... Um, she leads our prayer team, and and so Colleen gets the the note, and then she sends out an email to the prayer team with all of the the week's requests, so mm-hmm. that the prayer team can can pray. Uh, so that's that's how the process works, and and of course George and I get those emails, so we see uh, we see what folks are needing prayer for, and we pray uh, for them as well, but. Yeah, it's that simple. Yeah, and I think that's important that um, there's there are hearts around that. I think you you all obviously you set that up because you believe in the power of prayer. So um, and feel no shame, no anything. It's just we mentioned in the last episode towards reaching out and asking for that because there is absolute power in in prayer. So we thank you guys so much. We hope you're having a great start to the new year, and we will be back talking to you soon. Take care. <laughs>